everybody, welcome to another Bald Move Television, the officially unofficial podcast for all of television across interdimensional time and space. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Today we're going to be talking about two particular shows, Rick and Morty, which recently finished up its uh, season three. Actually, this week, this weekend, finished up its season three. And Star Trek Discovery, the latest uh, iteration of the Star Trek universe. Uh, we've seen the first three episodes of that. I think we're going to talk about Rick and Morty first. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to skip ahead to the Star Trek stuff, there'll be time codes in the show notes. So the final three episodes of Rick and Morty. Last time we talked, it was the 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 Riddle, the Citadel mix up, uh, the Rick Lantis mix up, which yeah. we both quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, we saw Morty's Mind Blowers, which was the replacement for inter, the interdimensional cable series, uh, and we saw the ABCs of Beth, which delves into Beth's backstory, and then the final uh, I don't know what they call it. it's the finale. He he fought with the United States president. Among other things, uh, what do you think of this three? Let's talk about the the three the three episodes, and then maybe our thoughts on season three as a whole. Okay, uh, of the three episodes, I think I like the finale the most, with uh, Morty's mind blowers coming in second, and ABC's Beth uh, third. I didn't care for Morty's mind blowers. I thought no? it was a poor <laughs> replacement for interdimensional cable. Interesting. I thought it was a smart replacement. Okay. In a dimensional cable. Why do you think? Because I, I guess what I what I mean by that is I didn't find the premise funny. I found that the I mean I, I it's it's weird because it seemed like they made revelations about Rick and Morty's essential mm-hmm. character that would have destroyed the show long term, and then they hit the reset button at the end. Yeah, sure. Which is funny, but I didn't feel like that the situations depicted in the Morty's Mindbenders were all that funny. Um, And Hmm. then why tell us something about the horrific nature of their relationship and then hit the reset button at the end? I mean, the... Like, literally (laughs) no one learned anything, but thus the audience. But that's... That's the thing that I like about it is it's essentially interdimensional cable while having some relevance to the story. Like, aside from that one thing that they do in interdimensional cable um, that I can't remember that well that center around Beth and horses and uh, I I don't remember exactly oh, what it was, they but were... they did one thing in interdimensional cable that, like – added to the story but everything else was just kind of stupid and yeah there's always the a unrelated. plot it's like you know beth and jerry exploring other dimensional lives where they got an abortion and didn't didn't have summer and lived right. perhaps more fulfilling lives but ultimately maybe not yeah. and then the second one was jerry not refusing to use to give up his penis as a heart transplant for oh the, right the 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 inter galactic humanitarian what what is a human what do you call a humanitarian only it's for all aliens i don't know i think they use the word humanitarian unironically mm-hmm. um i don't but i mean i thought both of those episodes they told something interesting about beth and jerry and also entertained the hell out of me with you know jan michael sector 17 or whatever mm-hmm. uh Whereas Mar- Morty's mm-hmm. mind blowers again, I what was the funny mind blower? I mean, there were a lot of little funny things. Um, I really like the one where he flips the switches in the garage. They, uh, one that, to turn down the lights, and the other one to I guess turn off the support, the, life, the support life support on <laughs> this storage shed full of dudes. Uh, and then at the end, he flicks another switch. He yeah. goes, "What was that?" Uh, I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, 
I don't know. I like the idea that Morty, if he remembered half of the shit that he has experienced, would be unable to live. Well, I like how like it. Morty's were like these existential, like crazy things that he's done that he caused people to commit suicide or he's killed a bunch of people. Where Rick has removed things like Morty beat him in checkers one afternoon. Yeah. yeah. Like the stuff that the the stuff that Rick like how fucking petty he is about that. Yeah. Or the stuff where Rick let him down. Which right. I I think tells you you know, nothing you didn't know about Rick, which mm. is he secretly loves his family and in a weird extends way, to Morty. Yeah. yeah. In a in a very uh irrational he way. He would never admit it. Right. But Deep down. Uh, I did like the the part I liked the best was at the end where they wipe each other's minds and uh, yeah. they're about to kill each other because they're, Summer they're, comes they're in murder suicide and Summer's like oh is this a level three oh it's a level four and yeah she's got these instructions to put everything back together uh, and then then you see like the tail end of like the house hunters version of interdimensional cable uh-huh. uh, so I, I kind of thought that was the the way they hit the reset but. Uh, button was kind of cool but i don't it's one of those weird things like well if this is such a landmine that morty would rather kill himself than go on and rick would rather die than be the monster that apparently morty thinks he is then i mean isn't that just enough isn't that just a landmine we're waiting to step on later and also it's not the first time this has happened so yeah i think that's i don't know to me that is an evolution of those characters like we we understand that about them. Okay. Whereas before, they always <laughs> seemed to go on un- yeah. uh, in an almost uncaring way, but yeah. now we found out that they don't actually go on in an uncaring way. Uh, they simply erase their minds. Let's talk about uh, the ABCs of Beth, because I yeah. I really liked this episode, and I liked you know Beth's realization about herself, and it's also something that, uh, coincidentally, I've been talking with my, my the son about, about the fact that you know, you can't really bitch and moan about, or you can bitch and moan about the way your life is going and feel sorry for yourself, or you can decide to embrace the choices you've made. And then, because the reality is you don't have to do anything. Like I don't Mm -hmm. have to be married to Cecily and be the father to my son or be like, I could like literally clean out the bald move bank account right now and go to South America. Sure. And who's stopping me? Like, just sometimes contemplating these what we call unthinkable options gives you agency back in your life. It's like, well, that's not my vision of who I am, so I'm not a slave to it. It's a choice that I'm making. I'm not going to be that shit. Sure. Or, yeah. uh, fuck it, I will be that shit. And, do mm-hmm. you know, it, it, that that gives you your life back. And I thought that was great that it, it's I, – what I thought was incredible is at the end of the episode, you can't tell which choice Beth made. <laughs> Because if she cloned herself and Uh she's gone to go, uh, you know, roam the cosmos, then that's exactly what it would look like. Or if Beth has just embraced the choice that she's made and is now at peace and happy with it, then, like, you really can't tell. And the next episode immediately pays off, I thought, was was great. Is it – so I guess are they trying to say that it's not about how it actually is? It's more about how you view it? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of life in a nutshell. Sure, yeah. You know, because life, you know, we've, have we said ad nauseum on these podcasts, like, the universe doesn't give a shit. No. And that's, not. I think that's a lot of, because I, I listen to, like, Alan Seppenwall and his his partner talk about this a lot, and I felt like this point is missed, like, you know, this they're like, well, this is more, like, Rick wanking. You know, when he goes off into soliloquy about the universe not caring, and if you're smart, hmm. you do this, you do that. It's like, I, I thought those things are taken to be literally true. 
mm-hmm. you know. And this is this goes back to the episode where of Pickle Rick at the at, at the therapy, where the therapist makes the point that you know you can choose to be healthy, you can choose to be not. It's whatever, but you know, don't sit there and say you're superior when you're covered in rat shit and pickle juice. Uh, I, I felt like that, like a lot of people misunderstood that Rick's speech at the end is like that. It, it's not he was saying there's no difference between the choice Beth made. It's just that there is no universal moral yeah. answer. But what you can't do is make everyone around you miserable about the choices you've made mm-hmm. that they had no control over because that's not fair. Sure. Um, but you didn't. You thought you that was the your least favorite. Yeah. What I, was it about it? I guess. Um. I don't know, because I, I liked a lot of stuff in it. I guess it's just that the finale was... I, I really got tickled by some of the stuff in Morty's Mind Blowers, and then uh-huh. the finale I thought was a pretty good um, finale. I mean, it, it did change the equation of yeah. Rick and Morty a little bit. Um, uh, and, and so, like, in comparison to those other two, I thought it was the weakest, but that doesn't mean it was bad. Okay, because I really liked the Fruity Land stuff. Yeah, the Fruity Land stuff is Beth trying to high-road Rick about... You know, like essentially treating Fruity Land as if she he just left her in front of an iPad, and he's yeah. like, "Oh my God, what kind of monster? <laughs> oh, the ground is soft; you can't die. Oh, you can breathe the water. What kind of monster did that?" Yeah, and uh, then juxtaposed with the actual real monster coming and ripping mm-hmm. his arm off, and Beth not real, like Beth thinking he's still doing the bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out, like, I thought it was funny that Beth instantly jumped to oh my god he must have sustained himself by having sex with creatures and eating his offspring Mm -hmm. and that actually being true and they keep adding on like confirmation like it's almost comedy torture by the time these little his the 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 king tommy's progeny is reenacting this cycle of cannibalistic incest it's gone back to being funny but i guess i was reading online a lot of people thought it was tedious Hmm. I okay. thought the kids; those kids were adorable, I, and the, the way their voice worked <laughs> is, and and I, I I I got a real kick out of it. Uh, so I I missed some of the setup for that. Like mm. it, it it ran by real quick. Did did the father of Tommy actually eat him, and he was a clone? No, the father of Tommy, like this Tommy, just went missing. Okay, and everyone okay. assumed that he killed and ate him because you know. See, it's, I thought there was some like making a murderer kind of thing. So I thought that. He had actually eaten him, and that the whole conceit of the episode is that the acorn falls straight down, baby. <laughs> like, no, that's, that's what I thought Beth, it was. Beth, Both Beth and Tommy had taken to the routes that their fathers took. No, Beth tried to kill Tommy because she's unsupervised in Fruity Land, and I, see that's the thing. Right, like, right. So my thinking was, okay, she tried to kill Tommy because she is like her father. Mm-hmm. She's too smart. She's evil in a lot of ways, the same ways he is. Um, and that Tommy was also like his father eating his children. Mm. But no, I think that okay, was just that another wasn't layer, setup, layer of irony. But I think that's like, I guess that's the thing. Like that, that's another thing where the, the show asks you what you want to believe because Rick wants to, Rick was afraid of his daughter, but I don't know if he was really afraid of his daughter because he's like, well, my daughter's going to be just like me. So she's going to be a psychopath. Like kids hit other kids and they push them down and but they're usually supervised, so nothing bad happens. Like you know, if you push a kid in the mud puddle, uh, you know, they you find the kid and you rescue him from the mud puddle, and everything works out fine. Mm-hmm. Rick is completely you know asleep at the switch. So Beth takes a kid into this fruity land, leaves him there, never asks questions. Yeah, uh, is not involved in the other parent's life, and you know, uh, so this kid just you know could have starved in there, or whatever. Um, 
But then they later on in the episode where he shows a be- a box of like all the stuff that Beth has had him invent as a as a child, and it's like simultaneously. Rick's putting in so much effort that you know he cares about Beth, but also why is Beth asking for this crazy ass shit? Yeah, uh, you know it was easy. I like, for Rick, I guess it was easy to give her what she wants exactly than to parent her. Yeah, and say like, why do you want a whip that makes people like you? And yeah, like give her what she's directly asking for, but not the thing that she really needs. Right, right. and she's got this like the the arc where she's going through this adventure and trying to do the right thing and then the end she ends up committing mass murder uh-huh. and realize like am i evil am i i i like i said i thought that was a great way to uh ex- further explore and flesh out the character of beth and then it led to the her existential crisis of thinking she's the clone left behind yeah that was good and my favorite scene is where you know she's on the phone with rick and it's like you know am i the clone and he's like no and he, like, comforts her, and he goes, uh-huh. like, wait, you're not saying you're fine just because you know that if you were a clone and you achieved self-awareness, I'd have to kill you, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no. And then when she puts off the phone and hyperventilates and screams, I thought that was the yeah. funniest goddamn thing. That was great. And then the president of the United States and Rick having oh, an man. ego off. Oh, that was so good. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I did, too. And the fact that, like, the United States, between the combination of recently possessing a bunch of alien technology mm-hmm. and the 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 amount of money they're willing to spend, like, can kind of sort of hang with Rick. Right. With their, like, ghetto – what is he called? Their ghetto-ass off-brand tri- deficit-tripling deficit. teleporter. Uh-huh. And like you know, the state when the when the president is trying his hardest to kill Rick, and Rick just wants to preserve the president long enough to take a selfie. Uh-huh. I just I just loved it. <laughs> I just loved it. Yeah, and, uh, and the whole "Don't touch me, son." You don't have to beta. And if I, I I promise you, if you touch me, you're going to die. And and there's there's nothing after death. It's just blackness. And the guy t- yep. and he just drops dead. So good. <laughs> so good. He didn't even make a sound. That's right. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Hard <laughs> to watch. Makes a great deterrent. <laughs> It was so good. And then I, I think they come to a point at the end of the season where things have really changed the dynamic of that family. Have they? I, I feel like there's the potential for them, too. I mean, if you want to ask have they, then I guess you're saying Rick and Morty as a show never changes the dynamic. I think so. It, okay. I, I mean, certainly they've set it up that way. Now, if they if they go back on it yeah. in next season, I wouldn't be surprised. Because at some point they have, you know, these funny characters and these funny relationships. Right. Um, But, I I mean, it seems to me like Rick is really the outsider in the family. Not just the guy that everybody kind of worships and, you know, Jerry hates. Well, I think it's one of those things where, like, whenever I would contemplate, like, getting back with an ex. Because I think that anytime, anytime you're lonely and you're single... You start thinking like in I should fucking avocado shaped alien. <laughs> <laughs> no, you th- you start thinking of like oh you know like uh, hey maybe I should give me and Tina another chance because right. oh she's a great and and you start thinking like okay but but is that just because you're lonely or really what's changed that would make this relationship retread retread work and in Beth's case. Mm-hmm. I think that sh- you could make a convincing case that she has decided to embrace her role as mother and no yeah. longer be resentful that, you know, she raised summer and didn't have them born and not, you know, didn't, didn't achieve maybe everything she wanted to because she also made summer and Morty. I don't know that that intrinsically transfers to Jerry because Jerry's just mm-hmm. a terrible, terrible person. Sure. Like that was like, we didn't talk about his arc in the ABCs of Beth where he, 
you know, jumps way too far in his alien relationship, but he's still mm-hmm. kind of xenophobic and racist, and he's not able to deal with that, and he's got no spine. <laughs> My favorite scene in that episode, I think, is when oh god, uh, they're in the car, and yeah. Summer's Summer's trying to get him to admit that he's uh-huh. racist and... and He's like, I'll only help you if you admit it, if I want to hear you say it. Right. And so he says it, and then he's like, now, how does that help me? Or, or, or not, now, now, help, now are you going to help me out? And Rick or Morty's like, yeah, she just did. And then they get up, and, and she's like, clean your own, <laughs> clean up your own mess, Dad. Yeah, and he no, doesn't. It's, it's great. That's the thing. Like, Jerry has made zero uh-huh. zero progress as a human. And the other thing is, like, I don't trust Jerry as if like as as a clone detector. Uh-huh. Jerry would no, t- I Right, but I, the the force to reckon with in that family is not Jerry, right? It's it's, it's Beth. 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 It seems like all the power runs through Beth because right. for whatever reason, Rick, and he'd be the first one to say it's irrational, he does love his child. Yeah. And his grandchildren. And and, and it, so it's her – the important thing here is her change of uh-huh. of perspective. But I don't think that perspective is because, like, Jerry is just literally like a man-child shit to uh-huh. deal with. And I think that maybe – Maybe one of the arcs in season four is she's going to realize, like, I do love my family, but I don't love you. That's not and, part of and it. And we yeah. need to get – we need to part ways because he's just – It could just, be. Yeah. Jerry's the fucking worst, man. He is. No, Jerry's a miserable excuse for a human But being. I wonder because at the end where they're kind of, like, all, like, making fun of Rick and, like, Rick's got that con- – like, you know, because Rick's been defeated. Like, he was – he was going to show up and kill Jerry with the machine gun, which I thought was funny, or mm-hmm. the uh, semi-automatic rifle. And then uh, he's like, well, this doesn't work, so come on, come on, Morty. Let's go to another Earth because we fucked this one up again. And Morty won't come with him. Mm-hmm. So then he becomes fly fishing Rick and makes peace with the, the U.S. <laughs> president and all this stuff. He, he's, he's a beaten man, but when they're all kind of laughing at him, he kind of narrows his eyes, and I wonder – because it's – I mean, this is the this is the season Rick kind of got defeated. Like he started off this season destroying the Galactic government and the Citadel of Ricks just to wrest control from his family from Jerry. Mm-hmm. And at the end, without Jerry even trying, uh, he gets completely he gets he gets completely dethroned. So where yeah. does Rick go? Like like what like what Rick does from here, I think is going to be fascinating. Yeah, and I think that's the important part, right? I don't think Summer's life revolves, or sorry, not Summer, Beth's life revolves around Rick anymore. It and revolves around approved, her yeah, choices. Yeah. Like whether that includes Jerry or not doesn't really okay. matter because she's made the choice to take control of her own life. And take- I, I do think the the one thing she said that was honest and accurate in that finale was, "I'm no longer." I no longer idolize you, and I'm no longer afraid that you're going to leave. Yeah. So I can make decisions without that being the number one thing. Like, you know, I, I can I can just, just push past that. And that would be interesting. Because, honestly, that dynamic was starting to get frayed anyway. Yeah. Like, the whole, like, you know, being kind of cool with endangering our children as long as Rick is happy mm-hmm. uh, was not that, – that, that was her kind of damage. The other thing is that it would be really interesting to see uh, Dan Harmon – because I think Dan, half of Dan is, like, reflected in Jerry, and half of him is reflected in Rick. Hmm. And okay. it would be interesting to see, because, like, I feel like Harmon and Royland took Rick Sanchez and led him down the path where he could be a happier person, and Rick just refused to take any of those off-ramps this yeah. season. There's, like, three or four times where he had an epiphany about how he could be different, and he just didn't do it. Yeah, I like wonder- the one where the toxic versions of them right exactly right 
Exactly right. The toxic version, the therapy session. Yeah. Um, there was a couple others along those ways. Um, and then uh, I wonder if season four they'll start to – because what Jerry's damage is fixable. Okay. I mean – Yeah, it'd take a lot of work. but Right. I mean he's, uh-huh. he's got to quit being such a fucking people pleaser and he's got to have something that he like as authentically – you know, he's got to have some – He's got to quit being such a fucking nice guy mm. and 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 start leading his own life. And it's going to be better for him. It's going to be better for his wife. It's going to be better for his children. There's steps you can take to do that. And I wonder if they'll show like some of that growth. And maybe the overall theme of Rick and Morty is Morty's gotten – Morty's fine. Summer's fine. Beth's fine. Jerry's fine. Rick is still an insane god that's mm. going to be extremely powerful but ultimately unhappy his entire life. Yeah, it could be. Uh but I also love the the final the, the, the so the the other thing about this is this season was supposed to be fourteen episodes long. It was. It took so long for them because they kept on rewriting and rewriting and trying to perfect these things and kind of figure out how to integrate their new writers and come up with this process and uh like Harmon gave this interview where he's like I think because he's aware of his reputation like he is got this reputation where he creates something great and then he turns it toxic because he's always trying to outdo himself and uh, he, he, he turns into creative failure. He got fired from Sarah Silverman show. He got fired from community uh, this season. Like there was all these rumors about him and Royland he- butting heads and all that stuff. And, and he, you know, I don't think that's true, but he's like, I want to come back in season four. I think we've got all these problems fixed. I want to come back in a timely fashion and deliver 14 episodes and prove it. But I guess this they took this presidential episode and threw in the, thing, the things about Beth and kind of turned it into a finale. Hmm. But it wasn't supposed okay. to be a finale. Um, but I liked the like the Mr. Poopy Butthole. At the end. Yeah, yeah where he's like, uh, you know, I, I got married and had kids. What would you do in the off season? I hope you just didn't fuck around and waste your life <laughs> waiting. Uh-huh. Which, um, judging by the Rick and Morty subreddit, really, really hit people deep. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Like a lot of people are like, Jesus Christ, he's got a point, you know? Like just, just sit around and watch on old episodes and, and not do anything with your life. <laughs> But then I mean, hey, that's on you, not on Dan. No, no, no. I mean, they weren't mad. They were like, you know, uh, they they had their perspective adjusted. Gotcha. But then people were like mining that, like, oh, he said, maybe next time I see you'll have a big white Christmas beer. Maybe the big white Santa drop season four on Christmas day. No, there'll be a Christmas episode, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you people! If you think Justin Roiland did anything but get drunk and get in the booth and do that whole thing off the top of his head, you're fucking crazy. Uh, having said that, yeah, a Christmas episode of Rick and Morty would be all right by me. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be a Christmas episode with only Rick and Morty's grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question I want to ask is, how does season three, how did it, did it meet your expectations? How does it stand within the Rick and Morty pantheon such as it is? Uh, man, I don't remember much of seasons one and two, if I'm being honest, but I really enjoyed season three. I thought aside from maybe one episode that I didn't like and a couple that I thought were mm-hmm. mediocre, uh, there were a lot of really good ones. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the opposite. I really? got so far into Rick and Morty and Dan Harmon's world that season three on my first analysis is a little disappointing to me. Huh. But 
if I if I'm if I'm honest, I think that as I watch these episodes more, because I I remember thinking like I wasn't impressed with Rick and Morty until like the Mesex episode. Okay, and then I remember thinking a couple of episodes here and there like weren't great. Like you know, I didn't really like Rick or uh, Beth and Jerry's going to the marriage counselor planet and all that. But then as I watched them more, like I didn't even like the Needful Things episode, which is where Rick squares off against the devil selling oh, haunted really? artifacts. Huh. But now I think that's one of my favorite ones. Yeah. So. I feel like some some like I feel like the finale episode and like the Citadel mix up um, were like top five Rick and Morty episodes. Mm -hmm. And overall, this season, uh, you know, it had a lot more continuity, which I think is a tougher, tougher thing to do. Uh, I I, I have no idea where to place it. Uh, Okay, because it's like I'm pretty sure my first impressions are going to be wrong. Gotcha. And and it's not this show's fault for not failing to deliver when I'm stacking it up against all my favorite memories of Harmontown, all of community mm-hmm. and both seasons of Rick and Morty that I've probably seen 10, 15 times now a piece. So yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah. But I like it and I'm looking forward to seasons. I hope it's not two years away, but you're not going to sit around and waste your life until it comes I'm out. Not. Are you? I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep okay. living my life, man. I'm going to, I'm not going to let Mr. Poopy butthole down. <laughs> All right. Uh, shall we move into Star Trek yeah, territory? For sure. Shall we make a new discovery? Uh, I would love to do an acapella version of the theme song with you here right <laughs> mm-hmm. now. But the theme song, in my opinion, is kind of lame. Yeah, and, and the, I think until, they know until the fat, last few bars where I, it comes back to Star Trek. Right. I think they know it's fucking lame because they included the original Star Trek theme in there. Yeah. They knew. They realized, oh, shit, we've got nothing here, guys. Nothing for the fans to latch on to mm-hmm. as far as creativity or memorability or in in this song. So, but fuck, I don't know. Throw the original theme in there. Right. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't like the, the theme song at all, and I don't really like the theme overall, like the intro. Oh, okay. I don't yeah, like the visuals. I don't like... It's very much... It's, it reminds me it's a like lot papers. of... papers. Are they going for, like, maps charts it reminds uh, me a lot of enterprises yeah uh it reminds me a lot of like you know destiny's aesthetic there's a led this or like uh, the avengers movies does this a lot too or it's all technical schematic stuff and mm-hmm. like oh captain america's shield and here's iron man's face and here's hawkeye's arrows i think and... there's nothing inspiring about that no like the original star trek and next generation had these broad sweeping views of the universe you uh-huh. know and this amazing ship firing off into distant to right. distant galaxies. Right. This has fucking two astronaut gloves touching, and I get it. That's like supposed to be symbolic of the, the peacemaking missions. But come on, uh, do something more inspiring than a forgettable theme song and some cheesy, I don't know, papercraft stuff. Uh, so I think we're getting off into the weeds a bit. Can we talk about our general impressions? Like, do you, yeah. does this feel like Star Trek? Do you like this Star Trek? Uh, what? Uh, it. So with some small gripes um, overall in, in the feel of it, yeah, I think it's a pretty good attempt to do a modern Star Trek. Okay. I, I enjoyed watching it, for sure. I... So but when I, when I watched the first a pilot episode, just the first episode, I remember being a little disappointed because it seemed mm-hmm. like it was a setting up a preposterous situation that they can't ever possibly pay off. Yeah. But then I remembered all the other Star Trek pilots and how 
unabashedly shitty they are. Uh-huh. Like Encounter at Farpoint is a tough watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Star Trek pilot that they actually filmed is, you know, that the, the, they then reworked yeah. into, like, you know, some trial of Christopher Pike later on. Borderline unwatchable. Deep Space Nine, okay. Voyager, okay. Like, there's never been, like, in anyone, if we're being honest, of all of us Trek Trekkers are being honest... No one sits down and watch a, a, pilot, a Star Trek pilot and like, holy shit, this is amazing. This is like no. this is the pilot episode of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. What you do is you're a science fiction nerd starved for any kind of mainstream content <laughs> and you latch onto it and hope it's eventually worth your time to watch. Yeah. And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. This is the best Star Trek pilot ever. This is the best three first three episodes I've ever seen in a Star Trek. I have to agree, yeah. And and the, in the first two episodes, I'm like, okay, that's great. How does it stack up against the golden age of television, period? And Oh, that's a little rougher. That's a little rougher, yeah. but I, it's tough because there's a lot of silly shit going on, but just kind of like when we were talking about in the Blade Runner review last night, that how do you be – it's very tough being a futurist in the 21st century. Uh how how do you then like you know like like this 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 um fungus based warp warp drive seems like patent nonsense sure but you know it, it is a little more star warsy than a star trek but like i maybe instead of increasingly arcane techno babble you got to just go fucking dungeons and dragons with it yeah i mean that's definitely not the thing that tripped me up the fungus based travel you were i wrinkled we're my gonna nose talk at, a lot but of spoilers I'm like, but, but but how yeah. i mean how is it objectively worse than transwarp waves it's not or it's that not crystals it's not or like it's not no it's all bullshit right why am i getting hung or up transporters on we... unfamiliar bullshit yeah yeah like i take for granted that you can go faster than light in a warp bubble and that you uh-huh. can matter transport everybody over and sometimes you can reflect that off a of swamp gas and split william Riker into two people <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not – and and also no Star Trek has ever understood how the theory of evolution works. Uh-huh. So you, Picard can get sprayed you with get gas evolved, turn into a lizard monkey. And right. I, like none of that shit makes sense. So why am I getting hung up on it? And the result – and the, the answer is I shouldn't. It's dumb to, to let myself do that. Yeah. That, those are not the gripes I have, certainly. Um, but I, I do like the look of it. I'm – I don't know when this takes place. Do you have any idea, like, the time span between the original Star Trek and this one? I think it's, like, 15 years before the original series. Fuck me. Okay, well, then the visuals just... Their tech doesn't seem to line up. It's hard. That's, yeah. But but the thing is, is that a legitimate gripe? Because if Gene Roddenberry could make his ships look this cool, he would have. Like, sure. I I feel like it is, because you can set it... You can set this show whenever you want, you know? I I also... I don't know. I think if you wanted to make a show that looked like this, mm-hmm. you should set it farther in the future off of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I get what they're trying to do here is they – I guess they want to go directly into the Klingon War. Which... Yeah, also if this feels – remember that um, they – that when, when Abrams took over – yeah. He threw away all the continuity. Sure. So, like, this is 15 years before the Chris Pine Star Trek. Okay. And you can – they got – they got – I can uh, see that. Tilted camera angles and lens failures out the fucking ass. <laughs> yeah. So, it's, like, not 15 years before uh, William Shatner's velour 
horrific costumes is 15 years before the new Star Trek movie, which mm-hmm. makes it a little bit, I guess, more acceptable. But I thought there was, I thought there was a departure point on those. Oh yeah, you're right because it's Spock. Spock's time travel is what yeah. made that pop. But still, so you couldn't like, go be- back and say this all changed. Yeah, but you all that stuff forward. was still higher tech before the Spock time traveled. You know, like that shit. That's true. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But like, that didn't make any sense. So. But, but that's just because he, they made it in the tw- in the tw- 21st century and yeah. they had much better special effects. Right. So it's like because I think I think I think Doctor Who is a little too enslaved to its past. Like, okay. you know, instead of updating the Dalek to actually look like something modern, they try to, you know, still cling to that. And it, it's like, you know, same thing with Battlestar. Like, Battlestar looks much more modern, but they also had enough of, like, the throwback that they – they and then the Star – I think Star Wars does a better job, but that's mm-hmm. just a pure – it's same thing with the Klingons. I really had a problem with them redoing the Klingon look. Really? Okay. Because hmm. I don't feel like the old Klingons, like it's, you know, it's one thing that, you know, the the old series Klingons who just had some eyeshadow and half uh-huh. of their eyebrows shaved off. Yeah. Um, that's one thing. But like, I, I felt like the, the Klingons from the motion picture onward were in a good place. Yeah. Um, And I honestly think the new Klingons, like they're so fucking made up that it's really affecting their actor's ability to emote. Yeah. The, and for me to understand them when they speak, it yes. sounds like they're talking through rubber. Yeah, because, because they, they are. are. Yeah, it's... like the only thing they can show emotion with is their mouth, their yeah. eye- eyebrows, their eyes. Their everything is so heavily made up that they can't. It's like fucking Admiral yeah. Akbar. You yeah, know? you think of you think of the Klingons in like Next Generation or the Klingons in Deep Space Nine. Right, they were able to do stuff, convey right. emotion, anger. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, these guys just look intimidating, yeah. certainly, and I, I don't think the look is bad. Um, no, it's not it's bad. It's certainly just different. It's just like if they're going to be the primary antagonist, I need to be able to connect with what they're feeling. And maybe yeah. they're they're going like, well, these are aliens, and you're not supposed to understand their, their language and culture. But I also, a lot of people I noticed on our forums, and I agreed, what's with the subtitles? Like so, those subtitles are a legibility and readability nightmare. Are they? I think so. The weird serif Klingon-y kind of, you know, like, like they're going mm-hmm. for, like, not only are these subtitles, they're alien subtitles, and I don't, I don't like it. I think they're hard to, they're hard to make out and read. <laughs> okay, I have some problems with that streaming platform, but we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Um, yeah. So maybe I want to talk a little bit meta here okay. about the 21st century streaming. TV shows. Okay. I think subtitles is a mistake for that crowd because mm-hmm. I think you're going to have a lot of people background watching and oh, binge right. watching and they will not be able to do that because the Klingons take up a lot of screen time in these first couple episodes and if you choose to hey background watch this and maybe they maybe you would eventually become a fan and start foreground watching it but you're not going to have any idea what's going on because yeah. you're looking at your phone you're playing a game or something while Star Trek is on in the background and you don't know what the Klingons are doing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a mistake. Um, and I'm hoping, because they can speak English. They can speak, mm-hmm. you know, standard, right. whatever it is. Um, maybe they're going to lean more heavily into that in the future. But if they keep with the Klingons talking Klingon all the time, it could be a problem for binge, binge like, background watchers. Yeah, I don't mind. That's like, to me, that's... I don't mind, but... The same kind of, it might the, hurt them. The, the same is said. Well, you're you're right in that like 
but but I, I kind of like this narc narcos. Like you got narcos, you can't background watch primarily yeah. because they don't fucking translate shit. Mm-hmm. It's all subtitles. So it's like now is sci- is is Star Trek like like the crowd to watch Star Trek urbane enough that they'll put up with the subtitles? That's that's an open question. I don't Maybe. Know. Um, yeah, I, and I don't mind it as someone who's going to foreground watch this thing. But. Right. What did you think about? Let's talk about the the cast. Uh, Sonequa, I think, is her name. Martin, Martin who you might better know as Sasha from The Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, plays the primary cat. Uh, the primary character, Michael, who is another. <laughs> she's uh, a weird version. She of was Spock. a she was yeah because she's 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 being raised by Ambassador Sarek, Spock's dad. Yeah, but she's a human, and also Spock should be in this continuity. He right. should be slightly young. He should be, uh, you know, he should probably already be in the Federation. Yeah. Uh, he should be in his mid-20s Vulcan. Um, or is it, maybe Spock was 100 years old when he was in the old series. I don't remember. I honestly can't remember. But either way, Spock should be around in this universe. And Sarek, but he, he raised this because she got orphaned in some kind of war atrocity and she's raised on Vulcan. Um, it's yet another, but I, I here's the thing. Star Trek has always wallowed in essentially human supremacy. Hmm. That okay. the humans are the best culture yeah. and all the Federation needs to kind of get on the human bandwagon. If there's any other like Worf always like he's seen through the prism of 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 how to reconcile his Klingonness with his, his humanity and mm-hmm. Data's always trying to be more human and Spock's trying to be more human. And here we have a girl uh, raised on Vulcan, who like twelve years into her commission, you can almost not even really tell. Yeah, and I don't know. I I, I thought it would be more interesting to show maybe the su- not the superiority of Vulcan, but like the differences not being clearly like oh well you know like Michelle Yeoh's patting her on the head like just wait until your humanity kicks in, dear, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's so. Opposite of the spirit of Star Trek in a weird way. Like, let's explore an alien culture and maybe see how it compares favorably to humanity. Yeah, there's there's a lot um, in this show that I think is counter to the feeling, the vibe, and the message of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, I really... We'll, we'll get back to the characters here in a second. I think Sinequa does an awesome job. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really, really good as Michael. She's, she's very watchable. She's a fascinating. She's a fascinating character. Yeah. Um, but this, this conflict that she has with the chief engineer, I guess, on this project, like this bio, biophysics guy, um, who's researching this fungus drive. Yeah. Um, it's not even that he's the pacifist. It's just that there's conflict between him and the fucking captain of the ship. Yeah. Like you didn't see that in the, in any of the other Star Treks. Mm -hmm. You saw like. Okay, maybe Kira was a little testy at times, right? But right. she's a Bajoran. She's defending her people. Like she's not part of this. And this Cisco culture. wasn't her and, boss. And she's a very recent adoption, right? She was the liaison between the Federation and the Bajoran culture, right? Now you've got Starfleet against Starfleet, which I hate. Mm-hmm. I actually think the the calling card of Star Trek is that they work as a unit and they are united, and right. that's what makes them so good and effective. But this is Starfleet at War, which has always been kind of a tension between the black badges, the the covert like versus like because that's that's what tests your high minded ideals, right? It's it's one thing, when but, you're... but we start off with a fucking mutiny. Yeah, I don't like that. 
I really don't like it. Especially since it didn't make sense because the second episode um I do I do like the fact that that she got court-martialed and sent to prison. Yes. Like that felt like cuz I yes. thought that that, that was going to be like this thing where the captain just looks the other way uh-huh. and maybe she'll die and become the captain. Like if she doesn't face a consequence for this, I'm out in the second episode. Yeah. But what was weird is like a Sarah, you know, talked to her and gave her counsel that she interpreted as hijacking her starship and going to war against the Klingons. <laughs> uh-huh. And then the very next episode, she's like, you know what? We can't do this. We need to capture this guy because we can't make him a martyr. Ends up, you know, doing this two-woman commando raid and getting the captain killed because, of course. Yeah. Like, none of that really made a lot of sense, the idea that they're going to, uh, you know, cripple this star, this Klingon starship, board it, and take their leader captive. Like, why, why did they think that was going to work? I don't know why they thought it would work. I think it's a a better idea than making him a Klingon martyr. Yeah, you know, sure, like, sure. So I think the they idea... They needed Michelle Yeoh to die. And that, that, that I right, got briefly right. excited really what it is. when I saw when it said, guest, you know, like special guest star Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, she's going to fucking die in the pilot. That's yeah. what that means. And then she survived. I'm like, well, this would be cool because I think I, I really liked Michelle Yeoh as a captain. Uh-huh. She dies in the second episode. Damn it! <laughs> right. But then the new captain, Jason, Jason Isaacs, mm-hmm. I have a hard time complaining about him. Yeah, me too. I, now, I actually like all of the characters minus one. Well, so there's a lot of consternation on our forums about Jason Isaac being the villain of the show. Is he the villain? No, I don't think so. I think um, he's certainly. Not typical Starfleet, but yeah. I don't think he's going to be the mustache twirling villain. I think he he is going to try to win this war by any means necessary, which could lead him down a villainous path. But yeah, I, and, I like and, the conflict between him and the, the 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 research scientist. Well, I like. Okay, I mean, yeah, the research if, scientist is following his orders, but he is very much under duress. But he essentially tells him to go fuck himself in at one point, like. I mean, he starts That's, to, but then the captain says, hey, I'm the captain. This isn't democracy, and he falls in line. Yeah. But then also they hint that he's doing some work to kind of sabotage or sandbag the – but that maybe not. Maybe he just wants to be safe because, you know, his friend, which – I don't know if he's – did they establish whether they're best friends or they're, they're lovers or – I don't know. The other starship that got destroyed because they, they pushed things a little too far. Yeah, I'm not sure what. And somehow grew a mushroom bowl, uh-huh. I think is what that thing is. Yeah, the the way they helixed those people was pretty fucked that up. That was fucked up. And the, yeah. Cecily was watching. She's like, I don't know a lot about Star Trek, but this is pretty hardcore for Star Trek. I'm like, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is not your dad. This is not your father's Star Trek. No. Like, I watched Star Trek as a six and seven year old boy. Uh, my son's probably about ready to handle this Star Trek, but three years ago, no fucking way. Yeah, he'd been scared to death. Uh, yeah, the captain is interesting. I'm he. It helps that he is not pursuing a weapon; that he's pursuing a means of teleportation. Essentially, I do like his speech about like forget the war application. Mm-hmm. This thing could change everything. Yeah. Like 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 it could redefine Starfleet's role as explorers. And I'm like, well, spoiler alert: it's not going to work. Because I've seen the rest of your all history, and you're still schlepping around in warp drive. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I didn't view him as a villain because I think he's on mission and he's not creating some kind of super weapon. Yeah, you know, he's not looking to exterminate the Klingons. He's looking to, I guess, exploit a supremacy way to, to, over to them. To beat them, and yeah, 
And I also like the idea that to the Klingons, you know, they're like they're the Starfleet's bigger biggest lies. We come in peace because they're here to destroy our civilization. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they won't take our lives, but they'll take our culture and our honor sure. and everything that means any. That's that's super relevant almost in any stage in human history. That's yeah. always the big fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see how those things shake out. Like yeah. what the overall idea of this series is going to be. Yeah. Um, because the, uh, the other thing is I was, I was hoping that maybe we'd get back to a Star Trek that does exploration and wonder. And I yeah, and it doesn't seem like we're going to – this seems like it's even the, the most p- tightly plotted and narratively driven Star Trek ever – which mm-hmm. maybe that's cool. And also, I don't know that they can do the random planet that's got a weird, you know, an, an allegory for a troublesome piece of politics or culture. It might know? come off as cheesy now. Oh, I mean, I think it always did. But, like, there's yeah. only so many of those stories you can tell between the old series and the next generation. They told them all. You think so? Yeah. Hmm. Like, what could they, like, you? they want to t- tackle you know, religious bigotry, they've done that. Do they want to tra- tackle, like, maybe they could talk about transgender politics, but is that any different than when Riker went to the unisex planet and made one of the right. androgynous people fall in love with him, and she got, br- like, I mean, that shit's been done, you know? Sure. Uh, so maybe we're stuck with just start telling other kind of Golden Age-style stories in the Star Trek universe. I, I don't know. It's a little sad, but... Uh, they have the best mechanism in Star Trek history for that, though. This fungus drive could give them access yeah. instantly to crazy new planets, you know? So, like, it'd be a shame to waste it, almost. When he put um, Lieutenant uh, Michael, or whatever her... I guess she's Prisoner Michael now, in yeah. that that pod with the, the mushroom stuff... Mm-hmm. Uh, did she actually physically travel those distances, or was it, like, on literally on shrooms kind of thing? <laughs> I mean, she must have. She must have. Otherwise, what are Why they pursuing would it be here? Impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. That's it how could I be read like it, a Stranger certainly. Things thing, where this would still be incredibly useful for intelligence gathering, mm-hmm. even if you couldn't. Like, if you can only like psychically travel those distances, that's still pretty amazing, and you could handily win a war. Uh, it's not as cool as being able to take a whole starship anywhere you want, but yeah. I, I have a lot of questions. Just so many questions. One of the biggest ones, I think. Yeah is what exactly are they doing with Michael? Because everyone in the show is blaming her for the war. Yeah. We clearly see it is not her fault. The Klingons were hell-bent on attacking from the moment they appeared on the screen. Mm-hmm. So, and I get that she mutinied, but she did not cause this war. And yet everyone is treating her as if she does. What are they trying to do here with her? Is my, like, number one question. I think... It might be a parable of the fog of war and how, like, when you look back at, like, any kind of major war with, like, the United States or in the Cold War, you're always trying to think what the other guy's doing, and you don't Mm -hmm. know. So you assume kind of the worst because that's a prudent thing to do, but then that becomes a self, like, it's not like, when the worst case scenario, the Russians will do this, they'll lead the World War III, and 80% of the population will, it becomes, that's what the Russians want. Okay. You know, yeah. and I, I wonder if because the Klingon side is so impenetrable and they don't know that what they're the, the ulterior motives of this Collis reborn guy, that they're putting all this blame on her because that's the only thing they can see. And you're like kind of myopic. You're, you're you're operating in this world where you've got like in a famous Don Rumsfeld quote, like you've got 
you got knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns, and mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know, and like they might be exploring that a little bit. Okay. Also, it's just like weird to see like uh, a Starfleet officer just completely on the outs. Like they've had that before in like Ensign Rolaren or uh, Commander Chakotay, but that's instantly papered over. Uh-huh. Like like oh yeah, you led a rebellion against the Federation, but now you're just essentially going to be a plug and play Starfleet officer for the purposes of our ongoing story. Yeah, same thing with Kira. Like they did the same. They like. They defang them unless they want to, once a season, make a big deal about their inner loyalty struggle. Right. But right. Uh, When she hooks up with other former Bajoran freedom fighters. Right, right. Once every two seasons. But I don't know. I, I You're right. I don't know why Michael is special. Is it she's special because she's a she's got the resource resourcefulness and flexibility of a human combined with the uh the mastery and discipline of a vulcan mm-hmm. uh I, I, don't I don't know i'm just curious to see if they're trying to say something about finger pointing and blame with that character or if they're just simply they have an idea in their head and they're running with it hmm. <laughs> like the writers yeah are we going to let Federation, the Starfleet officers, off the hook for beaming over to a known biohazard ship <laughs> without any kind? Of, and, and and they took great pains to show us they have full blown environmental suits, spacesuits, armored suits. What the hell are they doing beaming over to there and breathing spores <laughs> with 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 a bunch of know, rampaging man. bull mushroom creatures going around and they're just they're just fucking in their and their 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 skivvies? I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, they did know. I mean, they knew what the other team was researching, but they also knew yeah. it got away from them and blew it the fuck up. So I, yeah, what what exactly happened there? Because that monster came through whatever portal they mm-hmm. opened up, right? Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. uh, they went to somewhere so distant they didn't know about this thing, and it came through. And at the same time, the experiment went awry and mm-hmm. twisted them all up, like. Spiral people? I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure what did what because I don't think that creature did that. No, I don't think so. Of them, I thought that was like that was like uh, a, a part of the out of control mushroom warp drive process. And then the Klingons came over. Man, that ship was just fucked from yeah. the start. Yeah. That <laughs> was also comical. Like, so you're telling me Klingon culture has put your finger to your lips and shh as a universal <laughs> sign for be quiet? <laughs> yeah. They do. That's because the precursors see. Yeah, I don't know. That's I don't know. That was a silly scene. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, the Klingons are up there. So did they. So the Klingons have just discovered cloak drive. The Federation is on the crust, the cusp of m- mushroom drive. Mm-hmm. The Klingons were trying to steal the mushroom drive with the cloak drive. With the cloak drive, I think so. And they ran into the mushroom bowl that gored them. <laughs> uh, I, I I I don't know. That's that's the thing. It's a mystery. It's it's it a, is, yeah. It seems like it's set to be a season long mystery. Uh, I feel like that the the Star Trek writers very much watched Expanse and took a huh. lot of notes from it. Okay. When you think about the bio weapon and the uneasy war footing at the beginning of the series and the different cultural misunderstandings, like a lot of this feels like a Star Trekification of the Expanse. Which yeah. isn't a bad thing. Expanse is great. I just wonder if when we see the season as a whole, if it'll feel a little bit redundant. Okay. Um, some of the other characters that I really, really like, um, Saru. I love I Lieutenant Saru. Saru is awesome. He is got like that 
like Abe Sapien, Hellboy, other otherworldly quality to his delivery. Hmm. Like he's a he's a genuinely alien alien. Yeah, and I, I I like that about him, and I like how tough he is. Like when he told Michael, like, look. I don't know how to feel about you because you're bright, but you're also dangerous. You're like a yeah. mad dog that I can't trust anymore. But I, I will tell you this. I'm going to do a better job protecting my captain than you, which we know that Saru seems like he's a pretty much idealist Starfleet officer. And he's working for someone that might be shading outside the lines. Yeah. Like that seems like a lot of built in conflict for his character. It does. Um, and I like just the basic premise of his race, I guess, his species. Oh, um, is there a he, basic premise of theirs? Yeah, yeah. Their their whole planet, their whole society revolves around is a binary society, as he calls it, the binary food chain, where he is bred and developed and farmed to be prey, to be food, essentially for the other people who the the other members of that society who are the predators, uh-huh. and they eat. The, How did their I fellow, miss this? I don't know. Which this episode is like was episode this? one. Huh. Okay. Yeah, where he's where they first encounter the Klingon ship, and he's like, "Oh, here's an explanation of my entire societal culture." Okay. Uh, that's yeah. the one we watched together, but I was actually taking notes, and that's I mm. I shouldn't ever take notes the first time through. Yeah. Uh, I guess there are two hundred years now, two hundred years from now, still Beatles cover bands. I don't know. Yeah, Star Trek um, loves their, their classical music. Isn't that technically what orchestras are? Like, when they're playing Beethoven's Fifth or Oh, whatever. yeah, right. Like, yeah, they're cover bands. They're just right. not in the way you think of them. That's the thing. Like, I, that was the common complaint about the Next Generation Deep Space Nine era, that mm-hmm. their idea, like, nothing past the 17th century ever yeah. made it, like... Where is Cisco listening to Run DMC? Where sure. is why? Why is it like why is Riker listening to early twentieth century jazz? Why doesn't he listen to Megadeth or you know like 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 I, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah? I, I like that they're kind of little expanding out of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, the oh. the biggest question I have of all though. Wait, is, but to, tell me. I want to go back to this Lieutenant Saru. Okay. So did they stop all this pre- cycle of predation when they joined the Federation? Or is he I don't know. like going to serve his commission and go back and get eaten? I don't know. That's a really good question. They don't address it at all. Hmm. Uh, I like how his like his the, his spines raised on the back uh-huh. of his neck when you know he in, had a premonition of danger. Yeah, in certain circumstances. Uh, th- that's the thing. Like you talk about cultural, uh, I guess assimilation. The Federation is not very tolerant of that stuff, right? To Brr. to a large degree, like they're probably not going to allow something like that to go on. Oh, hold, no wonder Doug Jones re, or uh, Saru reminds me Abe Sapien. He played Abe Sapien in oh, Hellboy he? and Hellboy Two. Okay, okay, makes a lot of sense. There you go. Um, yeah, no, well, but they also have the Prime Directive. Sure. So if like if the Federation comes and is like, okay, you want to join the Federation, they're like, yes. Well, you can't eat each other, and they're like, but that's the way we like it. Yeah. I don't know what the Federation does. I guess it's called General Order One here. But that's more of like pre warp civilizations. I think Federation, probably like the same right. way the United States and other Western democracies try to put pressure on other uh, less woke regimes. Like you can't make them do it, but you can put sanctions on them and not give them full faith and credit with the Federation. I, <laughs> not I, I'm interested. members of Starfleet. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested. I am interested in seeing how that all plays out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Can we talk about the CBS All Access As online service? thing? Yeah, please. 
they're damn lucky that they didn't do the Netflix model and drop this all in once because there mm-hmm. is nothing. Like, I actually am somewhat offended <laughs> that when I boot up this service on my PlayStation, I get the fucking Big Bang Theory shoved up my ass. Like, huh. I would I would watch this in one weekend and then instantly cancel. As it is, they're going to get two <laughs> to three months out of me. Uh, but I think... Huh. I mean, they had like 12 to 15 million people watching this when it premiered on CBS because they they showed the first two episodes wow. on PBS or CBS on Sunday night. That's a lot. And then I there's no way 10% of that traffic goes over to CBS All Access. I can't imagine, no. Like I think like CBS traded a potential crossover appeal hit to try to prop up this online service that nobody wants. Because CBS is, for better or worse, the network yeah. of old people. Mm-hmm. And my dad, there's no fucking way I'm going to get my dad to install CBS All Access. My, my dad's a Star Trek fan. He would like to watch it. If it was on CBS, he, it would be fucking appointment television for him. But he's not going to because he's not going to pay 8 bucks a month to get CBS and, and install it on his non-existent PlayStation or Roku or Chromecast. If yeah. he can't get it through his satellite set-top box, he's not going to fucking watch it. Hell, he huh. doesn't listen to my podcast because the idea of having an app to play radio is stupid to him. So that's interesting. I, I'm not sure how I feel about this. And I've, if if what you're saying is true, that CBS is essentially the network for old people, uh, if. they've got a problem. <laughs> I, I don't know what's on CBS, which is right. why I say that. Well, there um, you go. How old are you? not that old i guess the defense rests okay so (laughs) so i'm not officially old until i start watching cbs yeah yeah on terrestrial tv when you start realizing that half of your tv watching is ncis uh (laughs) sheboygan and Uh. three and a half women and two men half a girl and a pizza parlor and start then, then yeah you're old you're officially old okay good i'm still young That's a close one. Uh, So that's a problem, right? If they've got the old people network and everything is moving away from old people's consumption of television, how do you get there? How do you you match the Netflix and the HBO? I think Star Trek is their best shot at it. Or they just continue to be... Until they die? And they continue... Until they they, wither and die? They use new compelling content to lure people back to watch their shit. But if old people are the only ones watching... And then they package it up on Netflix, and they patch it up on Amazon and Hulu and make your money that way. You just listed a bunch of shows that no young people who are hip on the internet stuff are watching. But Star Trek is. That's that's what I mean, yeah. They start turning it around. But to me, it's like fucking every five to ten years, Hardee's decides, you know what? We look around our restaurant, and it's just a bunch of old fuckers. Mm Mm-hmm eating biscuits and drinking coffee until noon and then leaving. Mm-hmm. Let's get some young, sexy models in here and let's make let's make Hardy's hip and let's, like, shove a burrito joint up its ass. Yeah. And then five years later, you go in and who's in Hardy's at, you know, it's, it's a bunch of old fuckers eating biscuits and drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, that's who you are. You should embrace it, you know? And, like... Yeah, but if that's a death spiral, why are you going to embrace the death spiral? Because, you know, make money. It's like everything dies. Everything dies. You're, 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 mis- you're misunderstanding. I'm saying instead of trying to flaw, instead of taking a service that your old audience is going to eschew and not be able to use, mm-hmm. take the new young science fiction hit and use that as a wedge to start change. It's like when 
you know, before AMC got Mad Men and Breaking Bad, they were the channel of rerun movies that no one watched. Right. And they, for better or worse, changed their history by getting these young, hip hits, Critical Darlings, and now they're they're stuck on The Walking Dead's uh, the jock. But CBS takes this, this Star Trek as a way to launch a new, younger form of television to slowly bridge that, you know, get into the millennials and the Gen Xers' uh uh, pocketbooks and mindshare to just try to force I, them. To I do feel this. you on that, but I think you can't take the slow route sometimes. Like we are so far advanced now beyond where breaking bad was yeah. when they first started in, in internet streaming television. But Star Trek's a huge, if property. you take 15 years to do this, you're fucked. Yeah. You I are mean, fucked, man. <laughs> I don't know that they're fucked because they have a lot of money and a huge audience and they uh-huh. will for, you know, probably a decade to come. But I just feel like the problem, maybe with- they should have rebranded. I don't know, but the problem with these online services is mm-hmm. they are appealing to cord cutters, but they're rapidly reaching this point where the reason people cut cords is for cost. I'm not going to pay $120 a month for cost and convenience. It's exactly. Yeah. Well, if I'm in a situation where I have to get 16 different online services bleeding me from five to 15 bucks a month, mm-hmm. I might as well go back to the fucking teat. Well, but you or, lose the convenience. Or I can just stop. I can just stop doing it all. You know, like I'm, I'm going to pick the like the, you know, to me, I could probably if it wasn't for me podcasting, I could pro- I, if it was just Aaron Hubbard civilian, I would have Netflix and HBO uh, now. Yep. And fuck everything else. Me too. I, I on Amazon because I get that with Prime free. Sure. Yeah. But everything else could go like Hulu. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, AMC, FX, FX. <laughs> all this go is, fuck yourself. This is what I mean about being too slow, though. Yeah. And I mean, this is probably an argument for like a a dedicated podcast because we could talk for hours on this. Right. But. It's a disruptive thing, but it's like the CBS is a do- day late and a dollar short with right. the disruption, and none of their shows really have an online hip crowd cachet that's going to drive like in a way that like maybe Netflix and Hulu being the first in the market can and HBO because they're generally the best. And, and my argument is with the exception of Star Trek. I think the people who watch Star Trek are hip enough to get in on the online we'll streaming see, I, stuff. And if they ever have a shot at it, this might be the one. But yeah. And they're taking it, and I don't know if it's going to pay off. I don't know if it's going to work, but they're taking that shot. I would love to know what I, – I wish we had online um, yeah, information stats, yeah. about, like, who's watching this and, and, and all that because – Right, that doesn't come from the mouth of the people who want it to be successful. <laughs> yeah, and I would think that if – I would think that if twelve, if I, I would think that if it was a big hit, we would have heard it by now. Yeah, like CBS would would tout the big ratings. Success. They've been saying they're satisfied with the number of people who've come over. Well, but good. I I think it's all about retention. What that's happens when Star Trek is off the air? Because you know what, Bald Moves doing their account after it's off the air, canceling yeah. it. Yeah, and we might come <laughs> back to season else. two. Mm-hmm. But like, I really could care less about Two and a Half Men and. Uh, and how I met your mother and the Big Bang show. I can't even believe the fucking Big Bang show is still on. Yeah. So yeah, it's. <laughs> I don't watch it. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, you I know watch, the thing that I watch AMC... CBS for football, and every time they they advertise the upcoming stuff, I'm like, I can't believe this shit's on. <laughs> right. And if you like it, and the people I'm watch not, it, I'm not shitting on you. Like I, I watch, I watch plenty of bullshit, stupid stuff too. Yeah, I'm just saying it doesn't appeal to me, and I don't know. I personally don't know anyone. Other than my father, mm-hmm. who regularly consumes stuff that's on CBS, uh, that's I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's not relevant to me or anyone that I know. 
right in my age and and social bracket mm. yeah I, I don't know if the thing that strikes me about it is like amc when they realized what they had on their hands with breaking bad mm-hmm. leaned into it and they said okay we're gonna have stuff to keep you on amc right season after season after season it's not right. just gonna be come back next year i hope for breaking bad right 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 so you if cbs keep... were smart they'd hit you with something as soon as star trek goes off the air and it's starting... gonna appeal to those fans like i do you feel like that sometimes like i don't think the golden age is going to necessarily go away but do you feel like it's we're in for like a video game crash where mm. there are so many channels with so many marquee products that literally no one can watch them all and like individually like the way the economic pie is split they're not profitable and of themselves so like if every channel has their like mad men that they're trying to get off the ground and there's 30 of them happening let alone the just insane amount of content coming out of netflix and amazon at what point does this just crash and you're left with like one or two it's going to be like i feel like this is going to col- collapse into like an Xbox Sony ecosystem mm-hmm. where you're going to have a few like like I can't imagine a world where Netflix doesn't doesn't survive. Amazon's probably going to survive. Maybe Hulu makes it, but I just I don't know about some of these other shows. Yeah, maybe like I loved American Gods, but uh I haven't stars. been on Stars since. In yeah. fact, I was not even and sure Showtime? if it was Sundance or Stars. And Showtime, oh my God, poor Showtime. Yeah, I've never watched Showtime. Yeah. They had Homeland for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was Boardwalk what... Empire? No, no, that was HBO. No, but it was also Master yeah. Sex. I watched that oh, for right. a couple seasons. Yeah, they really tried to step up their game for a while. Ray Donovan. Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, and that's the thing. Like, I'm sure there's a, the Showtime fans, like, fuck you guys. Ray Donovan's dope. Yeah, I'm like, no, okay, sure maybe it stuff. is, but. But is it as dope? No human being can watch the amount of TV that's being produced. Yeah. And it's it's I don't know if it's sustainable. Just like nobody could play all the video games, all three million copies of ET that's buried out in the desert. Like Atari went bankrupt, Coleco bankrupt, like Sega. Yeah. Sega doesn't really exist except for as a software publisher now, living on their IP. I think Nintendo's gonna step in and start making T V when the crash comes. <laughs> resurrect it. Nintendo's like got their own the goddamn problems. Do they? I think so. Hmm. I don't know if you can... <laughs> if having billions of dollars in the bank and a new hit console on their hands is a problem. Is 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 <laughs> the Switch a hit money console with, with classics? Is it is Switch a uh, hit console? It's more of a hit than the Wii U was. We'll say that. Well, that's true. Um, but that's for another podcast. And they can keep printing money as long as people are willing to shell out money for their old shit. I think the biggest problem we're looking for is how old these fucking fortune cookies he's eating are. Because he talks about his family having a business before the Utopia was installed, Oh, yeah, the famous Isaac's uh, Cookie Company. Right. I, I can't... Like, how how long ago was the Utopia formed when they decided, yeah, we, we have all the energy we need, nobody needs want for anything, and mm-hmm. the cookie business went out of business. Right. Yeah. You, 30 years? I can... I can repli- 50, 100? I can, I can matter replicate cookies, dude. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's doing. He's just he's putting into this ship's computer the old recipe, like Earl Grey hot. Okay, he's got Isaac's I hadn't cookie. considered that. Isaac's yeah. cookie, happy fortune, with with a wrapper and everything. Isaac yeah. I, Isaac Experience. Isaac cookie uh, fortune. It makes me question my life's decision. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fortune random. The other thing is NCC ten thirty one is the call letters for discovery. Okay, can we can can we call it the USS Trick or Treat? <laughs> 
Can we get like a like USS Halloween or USS? 31, like, can we yeah. can we can we make something out of its Halloween date? The warp nacelles are orange instead of blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they they get they get like painted to look like a you know how they used to paint like grinning teeth, tiger teeth on bombers and shit. Like uh-huh. just make a a jack o' lantern face on the top of the saucer. <laughs> Big witch hat on top. <laughs> The dome over the bridge. The nacelles replaced by broomsticks. <laughs> it's not mushroom drive, broomstick drive. War- oh, yeah. Witchcraft drive is where it's at. Barking up the wrong tree, Isaacs. <laughs> you need straight up warlocks in space. <laughs> go, go talk to Bungie. They've got a bunch on loan. They do. Yeah, uh, yeah but I, I, I thought that the, when I saw NCC ten thirty one, I'm like, huh, Halloween. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, USS Jack o' Lantern. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of fan fan name for it. Discovery's a pretty cool starship name. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, and you gotta I go away from Enterprise. Mission. Yeah, um, I didn't really like the Glenn all that much. Is it a is it an astronaut reference? Uh, what is Discovery? Glenn? No. Glenn? Yeah. Oh yeah, it probably would be, wouldn't it? I su- I suppose so. Yeah. Um, and Discovery is also a, is shuttle name. Okay. Or was a shuttle name. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool too. Uh, but yeah, I don't know like what, how they're going to square her, like, uh, Michael's, uh, legal status and how often are we going to see Sarek talking to her over the time space continuum? Like, is that going to be a recurring gag? Uh, there's, there's, I have, I have uh, a lot of questions. Yeah. Also, I I have a question like how she got out of her prison ship. She opened up a one meter hole to blow her out, but then the starship mm-hmm. opened up an equal and opposite one meter hole. So shouldn't she have gotten blown back? Like, <laughs> like shouldn't she still be uh-huh. stuck in space and dead? Physics doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, you're you're right. She should have stopped right in the middle. Right. Yeah. 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 She yeah. should have gotten like, this is going to work. This is going to work. And then when the starship opened up the other thing, <laughs> fuck you, Newton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. I don't know. Do you have anything? What, what else are we going to talk about here? Uh, I'm just excited to have a new Star Trek, I think. Um, yeah, and again, I maybe it sounds, I mean, as is our want, maybe we've talked too much shit about it to uh, belie how much we enjoyed it. But again, head and shoulders, this is the best three-episode start to any Star Trek ever. Yeah, I'm way more excited than when I first watched Voyager or Enterprise. And the cast My is God. impressive. Like, yep. I mean, you know, everybody, like Patrick Stewart, uh, you, you can't argue with his acting chops, and I think everybody mm-hmm. else, uh, on balance, maybe the next generation is the best Star Trek cast ever. I think so. But this is a pretty good cast. It is. Uh, so, and and bigger, probably more bank. I mean, Jason Isaacs is the biggest name that's ever been in a Star Trek. I've got to, I got to think so. From yeah. the you know from the jump, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure people could disagree with that, but I don't know who else like. Avery Brooks was a minor bit player in like uh, some eighties television. Like I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Patrick Stewart again. He was in Dune. He was uh, he was well regarded Shakespearean actor. But yeah. uh, I, I feel like this has got one of the the, the one of the best casts with the bigger name. He's on Life Force names. at that time. I think it's Life Force. I have no idea. What Life that Seed. Is. <laughs> it's a really bad sci-fi movie. Yeah. Um, Deanna Troy had done porn. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, all right. That's that's Star Trek Discovery. Cool. Uh, I I will know whether I uh, or I, if I truly love it when I buy the technical manual. I yeah. want to see the Star Trek Discovery technical manual. You've seen it. It's called the intro. <laughs> no shit, right? <laughs> that's it. It's two pages long. It's a couple of gloves <laughs> and a 
<laughs> a warp nacelle. Yeah, you got me there, man. Uh, all right, I think that's it. Uh, I don't know when we're coming back. I think we need to come back for. Uh, are, are you are you interested in doing the doing a deuce roundup? Oh yeah, I haven't caught up on that. I watched the me. third or second episode, but yeah, I, I'd else. like to catch up and maybe maybe do a roundup on that uh, because okay. I, I I I really like that show. So that'll yeah. probably be the next one. I'd like to. We'll probably keep touching base on Star Trek too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, Bald Move TV will come back when it comes back. Uh, Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.